morning, guys. Isn't it ironic that their local media does an in-depth story on food at the U of M, and yet they can't even keep up with what's going through the legislature? Insanity is reigning. Have a good day, guys. He's not wrong. Joining us now to give us an update on just how things are going in the Minnesota State Legislative Session, State Representative Walter Hudson. I uh, now ask this question trepidatiously, Walter, but uh, are things getting better or worse? Have things gotten better or worse in, in the week uh, that we uh, that we haven't talked? Well, I mean, the, the, at this particular moment, it feels as though there's a bit of a respite, um, but that is probably just an illusion that's created by the fact that I don't currently know what bills are going to be on the House floor on Thursday, which is 48 hours from now. Um, and that's, of course, nuts because we need to know what we're going to be debating so that we can, you know, read it and come up with there's a 24 hour rule on amendments. Right. So you need to read it, comprehend it, digest it, decide whether or not you have an idea to make it better and then have that drafted in the form of an amendment, all that takes time. So, you know, maybe I missed an email this morning, but as of last night when I went to bed, I had no idea uh, what we're going to be doing on Thursday. So it, it feels as though we've got a little bit of a respite here. <laughs> well, I mean, and it, I, I mean, you may or may not know this, but I mean, is there recourse when this happens? I mean, they have to, they do have to give you time to look at these things, right? Um, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's basically the answer is no. They they can do whatever they want. They're in charge. Um, you, know, you know, there are certain rules. Like I say, there's the 24 hour rule on amendments and what have you. Um, but they, they're able to play fast and loose with the rules, and they're able to pay fast, play fast and loose with scheduling and whatnot. Um, you know, we're going to have a session tomorrow morning. That's at an odd time in the morning. It's completely different than the previous weeks. And this is the type of stuff they've been doing, just like shaking things up to throw us off and to keep us off balance. You know, there's been a smattering of, of commentary around this in uh, in local media. It's it's not enough to prompt, you know, any sort of outrage or or changes. I mean, even uh even the Star Tribune, as I talked about on yesterday's show, they threw into question um, Walls's uh, budget, you know, saying it's ambitious, but is it too pricey? And they point, I mean, and look, in, in, in what little credit I can give the editorial board of the Star Tribune, you know, they did call into question a number of different things, the budget surplus as it relates to rising taxes. But it's funny because they mention in the article that, you know, sometimes you need to look at these things, look at and they, they need to take their time before you push them through. But we've already had a number of huge bills that have already gone through the session and are either signed off on walls or heading to his desk. And so it's a little it's too little too late as it relates to the Star Tribune and any coverage of it. And I think that just contributes to the fact that you guys don't have any recourse there, certainly not any public outcry uh, because of how, you know, things are being uh, things are being dealt with. And that's just really, really, truly unfortunate. Yeah, well, it's like the talk back suggested, um, you know, they're really busy breaking down the cafeteria mills at the U of M. So who's got time to go through the most impactful legislation that's ever been on the House floor, the blackout bill that's going to literally uh, deprive us of clean, reliable, affordable energy? No time to talk about that because we got to talk about what freshmen are eating at the U of M. 
Well, and I came to the conclusion. I'll talk a little bit more about this uh, later in the uh, later in the show. And I covered it uh, the other day as well. But there's a new article this morning talking about lawmakers aim to redesign the outdated Minnesota flag. And I I, I landed on this conclusion that the DFL is. I don't even want to say attempting. They are. I mean, at the at the behest of of walls. Um, they're, they're, they're remaking Minnesota. I mean, from birth all the way down to the, to the flag. Uh, even though, you know, there's very little discussion or debate being heard by individuals like yourselves and others in the legislature. And, you know, this should be a cause for concern for everybody in Minnesota right now. But unfortunately, the masses just are not informed. Yeah, I mean, you got to consider that I, I haven't taken too much of a look at that whole we got to change the flag and change the state seal and all this. <laughs> um, but I've heard just enough. And certainly in the context of everything else they're doing, you're absolutely right. This is the transformation of Minnesota. They're literally planting their flag yeah. on the state and saying it's ours now and we don't need the rest of you. And uh, the, the, the extent to which and we've talked about this before. You know, the 40,000 people a pop that each of us elected Republicans represent uh, have no effective voice at the legislature because the process through which we should be heard is not being abided by. Um, And on top of that, I would argue that the majority of folks, even within Democrat districts who are represented by Democrats, are not having their actual views and their actual values reflected in this legislation. And, of course, we saw that with the, the PRO Act, the abortion bill, where even Governor Walls himself explicitly stated that he does not support abortion up to and beyond birth and then just signed a bill that does precisely that. Yeah. It's all about it's all this bait and switch stuff that they're doing. And another example is felon voting. So last week uh, we debated the felon voting bill. Um, and that's something that in the past I've kind of I've kind of flirted around with that idea because there's some interesting historical and constitutional arguments as to you know whether or not this is something that was ever actually intended, whether or not this is something that we ought to look at. Um, but ultimately, to my to my mind, the order of operation was reversed. Like the first thing we should be doing is making sure that people who shouldn't be on the street are behind bars, and then we can talk about restoring voting rights to the people who are on the street. Um, they reversed that with this. And also, in the course of debate on the House floor last week, they revealed the author of the bill, of Cedric Frazier, and uh, another member, Andy Smith, from down in Rochester, were quite explicit that they ultimately want to restore voting rights to everybody. They want you to have a, a polling place in prison. That's their goal. Um, so it's these bait and switches where they tell us they want one thing. Right. But then they revealed that they actually want something that's ex- that's even more extreme than the thing they're doing. Yeah, added to I mean, added to the list, and then added to the list right. of the, you know the list of things that's not being covered. You know, in the article uh, from Alpha News about the Democrats wanting voting rights restored for uh, for felons, you know, at the end of it, it says. Uh, the bill sponsor said the legislation will impact about 55,000 Minnesotans. You know, and in my opinion, the DFL believes that that voting block is going to continue to vote for them. I and mean, that's where the motivation is is uh, coming for this, in in my view, which is a continued attempt to attempt to try to ensure that Republicans don't win elections here in the uh, in the state as they plant their flag, as you as you stated. Yeah, well, I mean, so to listen to Frazier and Smith last Thursday, I is there an electoral uh, strategy here in providing 
voting rights to felons who are out on probation? Maybe. I, I don't believe that that entire block of 50,000 people are all going to vote for Democrats. I, I don't think that's what's going to go down. What's, what's driving this by just a plain reading of what they're saying is an ideological conviction that you should never be disenfranchised. Mm. So there's yeah. nothing you can do, murder, rape, uh, you know, looting, go down the list. There's nothing you can do that should ever come with the consequence of not being able to vote. That's their view. And they, the way Frazier talked about it, you can go back and listen to it on the House floor. He talked about it in, in the same category and with direct reference to like chattel slavery and Jim Crow. That's how they view it is that you, and, and there's an extent to which the entire criminal justice system, including incarceration as such is kind of being whittled away at. And ultimately what they want to get to is a situation where as few people as humanly possible are actually behind bars. And most of them are just out on parole, uh, you know, with, with no real meaningful consequence for what they've done and casting votes for Democrats. That's kind of their vision for the future. And it's playing out in multiple debates uh, and discussions that we've been having both in committees and on the House floor. Before we let you go this morning, talking with uh, State Representative Walter Hudson, I just wanted your quick thoughts. Robbie had this in his uh, rundown earlier in the show. Uh, there's a bill that would allow law, uh, law enforcement agencies to use GPS tracking on stolen vehicles without a search warrant or permission from the vehicle's owner. It's already passed through the Minnesota Health Public Safety Co- uh, Committee. Under current state law, authorities can use GPS tracking devices with a warrant or the consent of the vehicle's uh, owner. So in, any uh, any thoughts on this GPS uh, tracking of stolen vehicles without a warrant? Yeah, I'm on the Public Safety Committee, and I believe we unanimously passed that out. And the civil liberties um, concerns were mentioned, and there was a testifier who spoke to them. You know, you know me, John. I'm a big civil libertarian. I am very hawkish about defending people's civil rights. This is not a problem. This, this is implied consent. So if your car is stolen, you want it to be found, right? <laughs> right. I mean, the idea that... Because that's the thing. This doesn't apply to just any car. This applies to a car which has been reported stolen by its owner. So you have to, you are effectively giving the warrant to law enforcement to track your vehicle by reporting it as stolen. That's how this works. Well, uh, continued good luck to you, uh, sir. State Representative uh, Walter Hudson. Hopefully you find out uh, what's happening on the, uh, on the House floor on uh, Thursday. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week.